Hi everybody, welcome to today's show. It's Wild Ginger Running live broadcast here. And today we have Christian Morgan, ultra running coach and record holder for the Southwest Coast Path FKT. Um, and also, really interestingly, he managed to beat Scott Jurek's record on the Appalachian Trail a few years ago. It's not the actual record, which, which I got confused about, uh, but he beat Scott Jurek's record, which, which was uh, an amazing record record at the time so that's just incredible um, and he's just back from cycling across France and Spain aren't you Christian so how are you doing today yeah I'm good I mean I'm still now in Spain the weather's nice uh, close to the beach so I've been swimming every day uh, yeah it's nice I'm, I'm really well thank you yeah cool so are you still actually doing the cycle ride now you haven't finished it yet no, no, I got to my destination. Yeah, I'm just chilling out in, in Denia for a while. I don't know if you've heard of it, but yeah, um, so I'm just taking some time out and uh, just uh, relaxing. Awesome. Well, yeah. I'm sure that one of the questions coming up will be what's next for you. So we'll hear about your next exciting plans. But first of all, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about how you even got into running in the first place, because obviously you're an ultra running coach now. You've achieved these amazing FKTs. How did it all start for you? So I used to do some amateur boxing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and so as part of the uh, training for boxing is a little bit of running. And, and about that time, I saw the advertisement um, in my local paper where, where I was uh, living at the time. Uh, I was actually born there, Wolverhampton. Mm. And this is back in 2000. And so it was for the Wolverhampton Marathon. So I thought, wow, let's you know, that sounds fun. Let's do that. And that was my first marathon. And then that obviously over the 22 years progressed into the Appalachian Trail. And then there's everything in between. But it was the advertisement in the paper of a marathon, no experience, no real training, except for my boxing fitness. And that's how I that's how I got into like marathon and, and more and ultra running. Wow, I feel like you skipped a big part there, just like going from a marathon to, yeah, and then I just did the 80. <laughs> yeah, everything in between as well, yeah. 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 I mean, it was a journey. It was a, it was a long journey. I, I think in 2015, I'd run 50 marathons. Wow. Which over, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess, what is the average 3.5 a year or something? And then I saw these guys with a 100 Marathon Running Club t-shirt on. Oh, yeah. And I thought, I really would uh, love to join that club. So over the remainder of 15 and 16, I ran a further 50 marathons and ultra marathons, you know, whereas I'd done the previous in 15 years. And, uh, yeah, I joined the club at the end of 16. And it was the Wolverhampton Marathon was my 100th. Oh, and I brilliant. won it that day as well. So that was cool. Wow. And it was also a PB. So oh. it's so cool to have this triple, these triple goals, you know, yeah. on that. So it was a great. So that's that That was the 100 Marathon Club. And the, wow. Yeah, it was good fun. Oh, that's brilliant. And so you went from there. So obviously you got into running in a big way. Did you still keep up with the boxing during that? Or was uh, did the running just I, come no, to I the didn't. Front? I had like, I had one amateur fight. I lost it. Um, <laughs> I think I did. You know, it was pretty brutal. Um, but I lasted the rounds and stuff. And uh, yeah, I think I just think my love was more towards the running. You know, I, I did the marathon. And I know boxing unearthed self-potential within me, but I think the running unearthed 
something extra which the boxing didn't so then I kind of went that running path yeah you went that way instead oh that's really interesting and it um I'll I'll ask you about this when we're talking more about the FKTs but it'd just be interesting to know like what part of the boxing mentality that helped you through these really um epic adventures because they the 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 80 is epic isn't it? it's like thousands and thousands of miles it's like over 50 days of running like a, a over a marathon a day um so just just remind um everybody that's listening so which one did you go for first then and uh, was it the southwest coast pass or the appalachian trail which one did you decide to to go for so actually um my history with the appalachian trail started in 2018 so the current record holder is uh, a, a fellow named carol sabe and I met him back in 2016 in the desert doing Marathon de Sables. He told me he was going to go ahead and run the PCT. And then I found out he actually set the PCT fastest known time, wow. with, which Timothy Olsen has just broken. Oh, and that's the Pacific Coast Trail, isn't it? That's the yeah, year, the Pacific, like, Crest, Pacific Crest Trail. Pacific Crest Trail, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So actually, uh, my first interest <laughs> in FKTs was the uh, Appalachian Trail. And, and, and I, I had like an unsuccessful attempt in nine. So I helped set the record by running with Carol mm-hmm. for one third of his attempt. So I gained a lot of experience and um, and, and, and then I had a, my own unsuccessful attempt in 19. I couldn't go there in 20 because of the pandemic. So I stayed at home in the UK and I looked, I thought what's similar to the Appalachian Trail? And obviously it's Britain's longest national trail, you know? 630 miles along a rugged, rugged coastal trail path. So I went for that. Damien Hall was the current record holder. And I thought, yeah, I think I can beat that. I know Damien's a good runner, but I had a strong belief in myself as um, able to do well. And yeah, I did, I broke the record there. So actually in 2020, so actually the Appalachian Trail came first and the the Southwest Coast Path was almost a stepping stone for my AT adventures. Yeah. And yeah. I see that you interview a lot of people about the Appalachian, Appalachian Trail, don't you? you? You're constantly interviewing them for your podcast, um, yeah. which is really, really interesting. It's it's such an amazing route, isn't it? I didn't really know anything yeah. about it until um, Nikki Kimball, she did an attempt on it, didn't she? Oh, no, that was the long trail. The oh, long trail. I think she different. said that. I think, unless I forget, there's a documentary as well. Yeah, yeah, she did. Yeah. Sorry, that's a completely different thing. But my interest in these really, really long American trails came first from her. Then I found oh. out about the Appalachian Trail from Scott Jurek's attempt and um, his book North, which is all about it. Um, have yeah. you ever thought about writing a book about your experiences? Yeah, I will be writing a book. Um, I still. I mean, we can talk about more what I'll be doing, I guess, afterwards, but I still have some projects next year, uh, which we can talk about, which will involve the book. So the book's not ready yet. Um, You know, I have a lot of experience in my life and the material to put into the book, but next year we'll hopefully, you know, conclude and then I can sit down and write. Amazing. Okay, right. We'll cover that at the end. So anybody keep listening, everybody. We're going to reveal the next stage in Christian Morgan's ultra running career. I actually actually have a copy of (gasps) this. Yeah. I've read it three. I'm on my third read now. Really good book. It's amazing. I love how Jenny Jurek has a chapter, like every at the end of every chapter, yeah. like there's hers, because I just think it's so important to acknowledge the crew in these situations yeah. as well. I mean, you helped Carol Sabez with his, and he yeah. could not have done that without you. So you're every bit a part of that record as he is, to be honest, isn't it, aren't you? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, without going down a rabbit hole, yeah, just to add to that, definitely, because one of the things that builds my confidence and my self-esteem is Carol has the record, but I'm the person who spent the most time with Carol during that record. So I'm the, I have the, I've, I've the most insight, you know, so that we, we, we really bonded. It was a great experience. Yeah, yeah. you're like his wingman, his running wingman. <laughs> I've yeah, just yeah. noticed you've done something to your finger. What have you done to your finger? I actually fractured this in um, in Maine on the Appalachian Trail. Oh no! Yeah, I fell um, and I fractured it. And because I was still, I still had to go through Maine I, I, and go through Mahusik Notch. I had to like, there's an area where you almost have to climb over boulders. It's called uh, Mahusik Notch. It's the toughest mile on the Appalachian Trail. So I couldn't do anything about my finger until I got back, and uh, then. They, they taped it up at the hospital. I saw the fracture and I just, it was really limited. You know, like I couldn't do anything. So I took off the the binding of the two fingers and, and then I saw some sense and I just bought this. So this yeah. will help it heal. Yeah, just heal it in the right direction at yeah. least. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, that's, um, that's really um, good to know that you're getting that sorted. Um, so I've got loads of questions from our listeners here today. Um, so I just uh, want to start with one from Conleth Berry, um, who is one of my patrons. Basically, if you're a patron of Wild Ginger Running, you get to ask all these amazing experts on my channel all the questions that you want. So the first one is from patron Conleth, and he says, my question is why, in big capital letters with two exclamation marks, I'm always curious about the mindset and the mind games of top class runners. These feats of endurance, like the AT and the Southwest Coast Path, are not easy, but I understand for some it's just business, like as a coach and author competitor, but I'm curious about how and why they push themselves that hard. So yeah, why the why why the AT and why the Southwest Coast Path? You, you um, so yeah, I think you enter the unknown, like I mean mentally and physically, and it and it's an adventure. You know, I mean the Appalachian Trail, FKTs, the Southwest Coast Path are a vehicle to take me to what I what I've never experienced before in my life, and that's the unknown, and um, it's. I guess it's um, it appeals to me. It really does. Like uh, I, I, you know, everyone can live a life where they have a routine or they have um, a schedule, and and you know they go on holiday. They know what to expect, or you know. Um, but I really like to enter the. I like to enter the unknown world physically and mentally, and by doing using these um, adventures as vehicles, like um, I'm able to enter this area and uh, so I use ultra running almost as a vehicle to explore my mental and physical capabilities mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a personal thing and that's me I mean everyone has their own reasons I guess you gotta know? have a hobby <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's my hobby yeah. yeah oh that's fantastic um so just Phil for people who don't know just how far the Appalachian Trail is and the sheer magnitude of the task can you just tell us a little bit about how far it is the terrain and like how many miles per day that you have to do to to get anywhere near the record yeah, so, um, okay, so the length of the Appalachian Trail is 2,194 miles. Wow. The record 
Yeah, that's a that's a long way. It's a two thousand mile ultra run, you know. Wow. Um, then okay, then you need to take into the account the elevation, um, and the elevation is I think four hundred sixty five thousand uh, feet, thousand wow. feet, half yeah. a million feet Gosh. of elevation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, which boils down to if you're gonna uh, have a go at the record, like you're averaging. So the the, the average the record is fifty three and a half miles a day or 53 miles a day that's what carol ran yeah and he that's his average wow. and he also averaged about eleven thousand six hundred feet <sighs> or four thousand meters a day wow um, how many days? in elevation is it like yeah 40 his day, his record is 41 days seven hours and 39 minutes <gasps> yeah wow 41 days so 41 so days of doing over 50 miles a day with tons of a uh, yeah yeah and then and then you said the terrain what's the terrain like yeah. so you're in between the because you're traveling through 14 american states and you're going from the south right the way up to the north accents change <laughs> cultures change weather changes and terrain changes as well so it can be a beautiful groomed uh, pine needle trail where you can look ahead and not look down. And then, for example, Maine is just in between trees, um, the trail is, and those roots of the trees obviously form the trail. So yeah. it's just roots, tree roots. I mean, it's hard to hike it yeah. and it breaks a lot of hikers. Yeah. So, so, so it has extreme terrain changes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, it sounds incredible. It sounds like an amazing, amazing journey, and one mm. one that you'd want to savor, like <laughs> yeah, rather than trying to run really fast. But it, it, there must be a certain beauty in in pushing yourself as far as you can on it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I try to look at the trail from all aspects. So as you said, I did my interviews, you know, with um, through hikers, record setters. Uh, people who are artists of the Appalachian Trail. I hiked myself last year 500 miles. I hiked as a through, the through. well, you're not a through hiker unless you hike yeah. the whole thing, but I joined the through hiker for the remaining 500 miles. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I do savor it, you know, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But that was business. That was like, okay, I really <laughs> want to have a look at this record and see if I can do it. So that that's kind of a different thing. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that you want to try and beat Carol's record um, in the future? Or is, it, is, is your love affair with the AT kind of drawing to a conclusion? Is there other things that you'd want to do differently? Or are you still um, really fixated but, on the goal of the AT? There's loads of things I want to do. Like I want to write a book, you know, about all these experiences. But yeah, so you've alluded to. And yes, next year I'm going to go back <gasps> to the Appalachian Trail. Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna go back. Um, there's, there's at the moment. There's like uh, Carl Meltzer. Do you know who Carl yes, Meltzer? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I met him at the Coastal Challenge in Costa Rica. So yeah, he's, I, he's a okay, great bloke. Okay, so yeah. if we can get the funding, Carl's interested in crewing me for this. Cool. Um, yeah, along with, um, have you, have you, do you know who Bells is? Did you ever watch that? Um, made to be broken Red Bull documentary about oh, Carl Meltzer. Yes, I think I did. And is he like a crazy guy? He's the guy with the big black beard yeah. and he's kind of just bringing the energy yeah. and he's fun. Like and, he's a bit yeah. mad, but like everyone, he's just love, brilliant. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, Carl Meltzer and Bells, um, uh, like I said, if the funding's there, we're, we're speaking with potential sponsors for this, yeah. are interested in, uh, but it'll be a southbound attempt. Okay. I won't be going north, it'll be south. Oh, okay. So I'll start at Katahdin and I'll go 
south. Yeah, and it's all downhill if you go south, isn't it? <laughs> all the way to uh, Springer. Yeah. yeah. So that brings us on really nicely to the next question that I've got, because you must be training quite hard for this now. Like, um, when when would you do an attempt? Would it be in the spring, summer kind of time? I would aim, if, if I do it without Carl Meltzer, I start June 1st. And if I do it with Carl, he has his speed goat race at the end of July. So I'd start in early August. Okay. Um, yeah, so training hasn't started yet. Okay. I'm still in recovery mode. Okay. Right now. Still in recovery, yeah. still having cycled a long way. Cycling's good recovery anyway, isn't it? <laughs> Cycling was recovery, yeah. 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 Uh, so Andrew's got some que got a great question here. He said, um, "What did the training look like before attempting something like that?" So he's got he's got three questions, but we'll start with that one. <laughs> yeah, training. I I got to say, you know, it's it's 22 years of endurance. You know, um, that that's what brought me to this stage, uh, but. If you're talking about specific training uh, for the Appalachian Trail, I was living in Thailand this year, mm. and because uh, I do my online coaching, you know, so I can live in beautiful places. Wow! And um, it's fun. And uh, so there's, I was up north Thailand in the mountains. You know, I'm eating beautiful tropical uh, food, uh, so I'm putting good nutrition into my body. Uh, and then I like go out into the mountains with a bag full of rice. Like you get these like little um, rice things rolled up in banana leaf and you can get different like uh, black bean rice uh, and, and, and so on. And so I would take a bag of rice with me, just head off into the mountains. And I think I would do some, my biggest days were like maybe, I think maybe like a six hour run or an eight hour run, two, two of them back to back you know, two, uh, six hour, eight hour runs back to back in the mountains. And uh, the mountains are really rugged. So, you know, you're gaining a lot of elevation and it's kind of similar to the Appalachian Trail. So specifically this year, my training was uh, in the mountains in North Thailand, eating really good food um, and then also taking good time to embrace the recovery. So a lot of massage because it was affordable. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, massage over there for me was five pounds oh. for an hour and a half. Oh, lovely. I love a Thai yeah. massage. They bend yeah. in all sorts of funny directions, don't they? I had one once. Yeah, and just remember, just to say bow bow, it means softly, softly. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, you're going to be in some serious pain. <laughs> They're going to stand on you. <laughs> they do. They do stand on you, yeah. Yeah. And so, so yeah. do you take, um, like, a track of your, like, weekly mileage or your weekly vert or, some, or anything totally. like that? It's all, it's all on uh, Strava. So yeah. this, this year I've gained, um, I think, almost a million feet elevation. Mm. In, 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 and I've run 3,500 miles. Wow. And I've specifically for the past, so um, six years, I've run an average of three to three and a half thousand miles each year. Wow. Yeah. And the elevation has been probably from 2018 onwards. Wow. Yeah. So you can't, I wouldn't say that you could do like a proper like nine till six desk job and complete something like this like you have to devote your life to running don't you to you your yeah. running comes first and then your job fits around the running like would yeah. you say that's true of this type of adventure yeah like, running comes first yeah. and my job is running as well yeah. so you know with the online coaching so it really fits together really nicely mm. uh for me 
Yeah, you uh, could be was, thinking well, about like, oh, what shall I say to that client? Like you could be thinking all of that, like take maybe like make some voice notes in your phone as you go, like, oh yeah, I should say yeah. this to them, this is what they need, then come back and just write them an email and do the training plans. I had a French uh, coaching client who just finished his first 100 miler, uh, UTMB in uh, Nice, France. Wow. So congratulations to um, him, uh, Olivier. And he asked me one day a question and I was just actually on the trail experiencing what he was asking. So it was really cool because yeah. I was like, okay, so earlier I explained and I shared my experience with him. So it's good to not just teach from a, a book or like theory, it's good to teach from experience. So yeah, but I think having a full-time job would be tough. You'd have to either get up really early or just use the weekends. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I mean, like, with I'm not saying you don't work full-time, but I mean, like, a, one of those jobs where you have to sit at a certain place, go to a certain place from certain hours. Like, yeah. it seems like you need a flexible a flexible job. Um, so that sounds, like, great for you. But I also think where there's a will, there's a way. And if someone run commutes to work and run commutes home, um, and then on the weekend does some long runs. Uh, yeah, I think it would be possible. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think it's possible for anyone. Where if you want something and you desire it enough in life, you will find a way. And in fact, when I was on the Appalachian Trail, where there is a will, there is a way. Um, and at times, I lost my will, you yeah. know. And that's a really tough place to be. I mean, Scott Jurek talks about it. And when you lose your will, it almost feels like depression. Like, that, what can you do? How can you achieve this? But then the will comes back, and yeah. so it's. Yeah, keeping on holding on to my will during the AT was really tough. Yeah, you know? pushed you to the limits of your mental abilities, and that and that's what you were there to do as well. That's what I was there yeah. to do. And the, it's, un the unknown. It's yeah. really interesting that you've started talking about that. We've naturally led onto this because actually Andrew's next question was: Were there many days where, like, um, due to a, a niggle or an injury, that you couldn't do as many miles as you needed, and then like, did you have to make them up the following days? So I suppose the same goes for the like lack of mojo as well. No, like yeah, sure, one hundred percent. So coming down into Damascus, which is where um, Virginia ends and Tennessee starts, it's a great trail town for the Appalachian Trail. They have trail days there once a year. It's a big party, big festival, and so coming into Damascus. You also have a long, long, long deep uh, decline of elevation. So you're running downhill for what felt like three hours or something, <laughs> you know? Um, and my quad started to get a little bit warm on the left side. And uh, by the time I was at the bottom, I could feel it had really heated up. So I took some ice. And then so for the following two days, I had to make a mental decision. I was like, well, Scott Jurek, got through a quad injury and if he can do it i can do it so it is possible so i took inspiration from scott and i thought okay he hiked let's hike let's see what happens so for the following two days i hiked 100 miles wow. um, with the elevation 24,000 feet and um yeah i only i i was ahead of record by i think it was either eight or 12 miles by then and then i came back down to on par with the record after my quad healed and I was able to start running again. Wow, it's amazing that your quad healed whilst you were still in action. <laughs> I know. Most people uh, would take a few days off, but you can't really afford to if you're going for the record, can you? No, I mean, if you if you come off the trail, it's over. Yeah, for yeah. sure. 
Yeah, and um, and uh, Andrew's final question here is that um, what do you what did you do at the end of each day of running on the AT to recover for the next day of running? Like, was there certain foods that you ate? Did you have like did you take a Thai person with you to massage you? I wish. Yeah, that, <laughs> you should have had a Thai in the crew. My massage guy is a guy called Litz, yeah. and he works in this temple. It's a beautiful wow, setting. Wow, you should have brought him you know, for crewing. <laughs> I wish I could have, you know, but that may have been complicated. So <laughs> I relied on um, – so when I got in, obviously, you want your hot meal prepared by the crew. You know, I have two crew, uh, gun section and Iceman, and these are my guys with a car each, you know. And they have trail names because – that's what you do on the Appalachian Trail. By the way, my trail name was Captain. Captain. So, Captain Morgan. Yeah, yeah Captain Morgan, cool. but shortened to Captain. It was pretty because the drink, you know, Captain Morgan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah did I you didn't drink, drink a lot that. during the trail? No, I, didn't, I didn't drink that. No, no. I had one beer on the 80. Yeah, what, so, yeah, my to answer the question, though, that recovery was um, the meal, the hot meal, sit down, uh, wash my feet. The feet needed to be washed, and the crew usually did that. Gun section did that. Um, and then go to bed. I mean, that was it. That's all I had time for. Sat down, eat while my feet were being washed, and go to bed. That, that, the, the sleep is your ultimate recovery. Yeah. So th that was it. There was, I mean, sometimes uh, there was a little bit of massage on the feet because the feet became really sore. Uh, but... Uh, and I use CBD oil from, uh, I have like a sponsor, Bud and Tender mm -hmm. from the UK. And I had like a drop of CBD oil. I had a rooftop tent that I slept in. So I had a really nice area. Um, and sleep. Yeah. Sleep was the big recovery for me. Yeah. Oh, and so efficiency. Yeah. yeah. And the CBD oil, you have a drop, you eat, you ingest that. It's not like for massage on the feet. No, I just put it under my tongue and just uh, go to sleep with uh, th this taste. And then eventually, you you know, you you, you can't help but like swallow. We do it every minute, but you try and leave it for 90 seconds, I think. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, and I felt, I mean, I felt tired anyway, you know, so I'm going to sleep. But I just, I don't know, it kind of works for me. So yeah. I like Do you, do, do you take, because I've got some in a drawer and um, I, I got sent it while I was pregnant. So I was like, oh, yeah. possibly shouldn't like try anything yeah, new at this not. point. Um, but I've just remembered that it's still there in the drawer. And I was just wondering, do you still take it? Like, do you take it every day? Or do you think it helps? CBD I had oil? my bottle. I just finished it the other day. So I was taking it while I was cycling. It lasted um, after a little bit, the AT. Uh, but I've run out now. So uh, there's no kind of... Um, THC in there so there's no fuzzy brain or getting high or anything like that I think it just helps relax you uh but yeah um I've run out now so I don't have any yeah, yeah. I'll have to sense it for some more yeah yeah it'd just be interesting because there's not loads of studies done into the CBD oil yet is there but there's lots of supposed to be really good for sports people yeah that's what they say so yeah I thought I'd try it and it didn't have any adverse effects so it didn't yeah bother me. yeah Oh, that's cool. Um, and then I just wanted to ask you a, a few questions about um, how you felt on the finish um, of the Appalachian Trail. Um, like what went through your mind as you knew that you'd beaten Scott Jurek's record, which is obviously like a quite a, a, a big deal because he's a, a really, really famous athlete, isn't he? Legendary. Yeah. How did that yeah. make you feel? Well, like we were going up Katahdin. There was three of us. There was uh, Fish Boy, who was one of my... Um, he joined the crew later on. Um, he's the son of uh, Maniac, who, who also went after the record in 
1991 against David Horton. Um, he was a hiker, David Horton was a runner. So anyway, also David Horton actually joins me as well. I don't know if you know who David is, but he, David Horton's pretty much one of the greatest American ultra runners. He's 72 years old. Wow. And he came up Katahdin with me and he was telling me about when he was with Scott Jurek and Speed Goat, because he was involved and he also held the record on the Appalachian Trail himself wow. and the Pacific Crest Trail. So for me, it, like it was a shared experience. I didn't really feel it was so much about me. Um, I slowed down significantly because he's 72 and I thought, okay, so I'm going to take, I'm going to be the second fastest in the world. I'm two days ahead of Scott Jurek. I don't mind if I slow down for a couple of hours now and let's just savor this time with uh, Fishboy and uh, David Horton and just kind of talk to the hikers. So it, it became more about us than me, I think, at that point. And, and But there was a little part of me that kind of, um, so my time was 44 days, four hours, and I think, oh, I forget, that, that's embarrassing. <laughs> 44 days, four hours, four I think minutes. 50, 54 minutes. <laughs> All the so fours, if I would have got up there 10 minutes faster, it would have been 44 days, four hours, and 44 minutes. Oh, you should have been so like, oh, bye, of, David, sorry. <laughs> I'll come David, back for you. Kind of good. <laughs> And, and I, did, I did kind of wish, actually, at some point, I just had some time to reflect by myself. And because at that point, I was the second fastest in the world, I thought, Christian, you learn by your experiences. And if you like when you come back next year, that's because, I, you know, I thought maybe if I come back next year, then I can take that time for myself and just maybe sit for an hour or two and just reflect and kind of soak up what just happened, you know. So it was a great, it was a wonderful time, yeah. shared experience. It sounds amazing. And um, I've seen there's a, there's a notice board, isn't there, at Katahdin? Um, there's like a wooden board and you That's see it. pictures of people at the end and like sometimes there's crowds there and, and it's just a really, yeah, it's a really iconic picture. Um, I'm intrigued, does David Horton have a trail name then for the AT? Because everybody else is like Fishboy, Beniac, Gunslinger, <laughs> Captain. Well, gun section, gun section. Gun section. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Everyone says that, gun section. Yeah, gun section. Okay, I'm going to write that down in case but I need to talk cool. about that again. But do you know what David Horton's name was, or is he just too legendary to even have a trail name? Yeah, I think it was The Runner. Actually. The Runner. Oh, because yeah. he was yeah. like one of the first people that were actually running rather than hiking the AT. Yeah, correct. He was the, he was the first guy to go and run the Appalachian Trail. I yeah. think it was 50. He did it 51 days or something. Wow. So. It's just incredible. And then the times has been like knocked down and knocked down and Carol doing it in 41 days. It's yeah. just incredible. Um, yeah. And so um, is he going to come and help you on your southbound attempt then? David or, um, or Carol? Uh, Carol as well. Like, will he be part of the team, do you think? as well as Carl's pretty busy uh, okay. you know like um we, we were close on the Appalachian Trail uh, he came out to London to he was visiting London and he contacted me and we went for a run together uh but we we haven't had a whole lot of interaction really uh so and I think when I first announced to him at the end of at the start of 2019 I'd be going for my own attempt against the record uh he said I really wish you a wonderful summer but um, I won't be able to help because I've got other obligations. So it's never really been in my mind to ask Carol for his level of support that I gave him. Yeah. Um, 
I've kind of looked more towards other people in the community in America because he also he lives in Belgium. Oh, you know? yeah, so, it's a, yeah, yeah, a major I mean, undertaking. But, but just to speak for Carol's, um, uh, what's to say, uh, uh, his great characteristic is that when I was on the Appalachian Trail, I think forty-one days and seven hours arrived while I was out there, and that was his record time. Wow. And I left him a voice message oh. and I congratulated him. And I said, listen, it was amazing being part of your journey. And he sent me such a long message back. And I, and I still have that. And, you know, it just meant so much to me that he was on board with me. Um, I'm sure he was pleased I didn't break his record, but he <laughs> made it go down one day. Yeah. But, yeah, it just felt a lot to me. I felt a great connection there. But as for asking Carol to come out, he's got a lot to do. You know, I, I, I have my paces and my own people yeah, yeah your own crew yeah it, there is a bit of a tradition isn't there of people who have broken the record like either popping in to say hi and do the last bit with people or just helping the whole crew because i like i didn't um scott i'm i'm sure scott helped out with the, the next pair i'm sure carl helped scott and then scott helped carl break it the next year both, or, yeah, what, that's, what, that's it was and it? david horton was there for yeah. both those guys attempts you know uh it's it's like an 80 family yeah you know it yeah. really is uh and I think just like Carol's are all the way in Belgium, I'm sure if he was in America, he would have popped onto the trail. Yeah, to exactly. To say, yeah. run a couple of miles. I mean, and, and the cool thing was actually the, the trail passes the backyard or the yard of Andrew Thompson. Now, Andrew Thompson is the guy who went to break David Horton's record. Ah. Um, and his trail name is either AT or Trail Dog. Uh -huh. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, it was cool because last year when I was hiking, I went again because I hiked past his house. I went in and we drank beers all night, <laughs> hung out. I mean, yeah, and he was an 80 record holder. He did set the record eventually. I think Jen Farr Davis broke Andrew Thompson's record. So, that you know, there's this kind of like this, this group of people who have done it. And it feels pretty sweet to be part of that group, yeah, actually. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm just yeah. thinking, just like all these people, they're all guys. I'm just wondering if you know anything about the women's record on the AT. Yeah. Like, do, yeah. is there many Jen, women? No, I just tried? mentioned her, Jennifer Davis. Oh, that's so Jennifer. Oh, I thought you Jen, said Glenn. <laughs> Jennifer. No, no, Jennifer broke uh, oh, wow. Andrew Thompson's record. And yeah. she only hiked. She was a hiker. Wow. Cool. Whereas Andrew was a runner, and her record stands today. Oh, brilliant! Uh, I believe it. I, I forget the date. I believe it's. I believe it's many years old. It's I think a decade old or more. I forget. Yeah. Uh, on my website, I've got this page called Appalachian Trail, and all the record holders. I've put them all up there, and yeah. she's on there. Oh, so, brilliant! So it's yeah. kind of time for the ladies to try again at the AT because it sounds like that record, ten years old or something like that, would be right for the taking. They're trying. Yeah. I mean, Liz Angios. Uh, you know, tried uh, in 2020, um, and she she, uh, she was unsuccessful. You know, she didn't achieve what she did, but she finished the trail. Yeah, and she was crewed by someone called Warren Doyle, who's so yeah. I mean, also just a quick I know back to my preparation for the Appalachian Trail. I went to Warren Doyle's folk, Appalachian Trail Folk School, mm -hmm. and I learned all about the psychological aspects of the and the emotional aspects of the Appalachian Trail, mm -hmm. less the physical. Oh, wow. So I was educated that way as well. Oh, right. Um, so just and, tell us and, a and bit Warren more Doyle, about Warren crewed Liz Angios in 2019. And when they fell off pace, they had to readjust and think, well, what can we shoot for? So she shoot to beat David Horton's record. Oh, so she cool. 51 days. Yeah. So yeah, I think Still we should very get some impressive. Just to complete yeah. it is really impressive. So, 
the height to hike it you know if you finish the 80 and you're a through hiker and it takes you 364 days yeah. that's amazing yeah it's amazing yeah so people can be on that trail for a year can they I, th I think a through hike is to finish it in one calendar year. Wow. Yeah, you would, I don't think there's any through hikers to do that long because Katahdin gets snowfall and it closes uh -huh. at a certain time of year. Maybe it's October or September. Yeah. So you'd want to yeah. do like 20, 30 miles a day. That's, that's a lot, isn't it? And if you're hiking, you're presumably carrying loads more as well. So that makes yeah. it even harder. Yeah, no crew for the hikers. Yeah, taking you know, tent, I mean, food, refilling yeah. at various places. Yeah. Gosh, it does. Like, I've watched that film Wild where she hikes the PCT. Yeah. Um, and that just looked amazing. Um, but I, I just thought, oh, that'd be amazing. But then I thought I'd probably get a bit bored of walking after about two weeks. <laughs> yeah. You really, <laughs> again, I think that's the journey that I said what in, invites me to the trail is the unknown. So these guys, you know, last year I was with these guys, the through hikers. I went all the way from New. Uh, the end of New Hampshire, I believe it was. No, the start of New Hampshire, a t town called Hanover. In fact, Bill Bryson, oh, yeah. who wrote Walk in the Woods, lived in New Hampshire. Oh. So it's a great college town. And I started there and I hiked with the through hikers and I became part of this group called the Dirty Bubble. And, um, <laughs> and we all got COVID. So it was oh. really, you know, it was, uh, it, no, it was cool. It was in the 100 mile wilderness. Like there's, there's this thing called in Maine, the 100 mile wilderness where there's no road crossings. Wow. So you have to carry supplies. Uh, for like uh, it usually takes hikers about seven to nine days wow. to get through there so yeah I mean your pack at that point is heavy yeah um, but yeah these through hikers who was I was spending time with I got to absorb absorb their experiences and um, yeah they're definitely you've got to push through the mundane mm. you really do yeah yeah, maybe a solar panel and an iPod <laughs> on shuffle. <laughs> yeah, a thousand audio books. Yeah, you know. a thousand audio books. Yeah. Your podcast. Uh, my yeah. podcast, listening to Christian Morgan on the podcast. Um, yeah. But tell us a bit more about the, the, the school for the psychology. That sounds amazing. Yeah, the Appalachian Trail Folk School was founded by Warren Doyle. Uh, and Warren Doyle is a 72-year-old um, man who lives in Tennessee. And he's hiked through hikes the Appalachian Trail and sectioned hikes the Appalachian Trail 18 times. Wow. So that's more than anyone else currently in history. Wow. So he knows more about the trail than anyone else in the world. Yeah, yeah. It was a five-day course. I'd just done a training week with Iceman and Warren. Warren crewed me for a week, as did Iceman. <laughs> and we pushed out, I don't know, I, I forget the distance. Where we pushed out the same distance Carol did in one week, wow. Carol Sinead, to give me the confidence. And then after that, he said, hey, do you want to just come? I've got a folk school on now. It's five days. So I, ha I hung out with the potential through hikers for five days. And we Warren speaks about everything to do with what's going to happen in your mind. Mm -hmm. You know, um, he doesn't so much go. He doesn't even talk about equipment. He's pretty old school. But every kind of emotional um road crossing you're going to get to he, he kind of uh, talks about his own experiences and how to overcome that and so on so that for me was interesting and educational and i like warren as well yeah. i'm close with him so it really worked well for me as a student and so what takeaways did you get from that uh, like did you use any of it on your um your attempt well your your best achievement yeah 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 i see i see I see everything that I study about the Appalachian Trail as something which will help me get to the finish. 
in the fastest time that I can. And I mean, there were many things, you know, I, I think, I mean, if I could pick like one thing, it'd be hard. I'd have to think, I mean, Warren talks so much for hours and hours every day and you're absorbing all this. So to pick one thing out is kind of tough. It's eluding me at the moment, but I think overall, just to listen to someone speak who is a folk legend, uh -huh. but living folk legend and be in his presence and I absorbed his stories and attentively listened to him, I think helped me on the Appalachian Trail. So it's not a piece of advice, but it was just soaking up Warren yeah. Doyle's knowledge yeah. in that way. Like yeah. a, a little part of him was then in you and on the yeah. trail and experiencing the trail. Um, Forever, that's yeah. That's a really yeah. nice way of thinking about it. Um, yeah. Well, back to the practical now, because we've got another question um, sure, here. Cool. Uh, we've got some training questions here, just like general training questions now, which, yeah. which are probably applicable to the AT, but also just in general long distance running and ultras. Um, Dave Pollard, um, he would like to know, like, do you use anything to stop chafing or can you recommend anything that anybody has told you about to stop chafing happening? Because um, he gets chafing. Um, on his uh, thighs, I, I think. I, I, in between his thighs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you need material between the thighs. Um, and also, if you're a male runner, it's probably best to wear some kind of underwear. So I reached out to a company called Runderwear, and uh, I think they're a UK-based company. Yeah. And they um, supplied me some Runderwear for my attempts on the Appalachian Trail. Awesome. And so that just kept everything in place when you're running as a male. I mean, women wear sports bras, you know, and so on. So men wear some underwear, it helps. And then I think um, just if, if it, it depends on if it's raining, then you probably want to wear some kind of bicycle shorts mm -hmm. so you don't have loose material. Yeah. But then if it's dry and the material's kind of dry and it still sits in between your thighs where your thighs touch, um, the, the underwear holding everything in place and then the 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 shorts just being in between the thighs. I think the thighs will only, skin only chafes when it's against itself. Mm -hmm. So if you can put a layer in between the chafing, then I think that will actually prevent it. Yeah. So I, I don't like this approach of putting some kind of nut butter on or something or some kind of lubricant because that's that's not preventing the problem. That That's kind of trying to ease the problem. But I think if you try to prevent the chafing, um, I think that's the better route yeah. as a coach. That's what I would, you know, tell my clients. Yeah, I, I pointed him in the direction of those shorts you can get, which are like cycling shorts, but then like a short around them. Like, I think they call them twin shorts. Twin shorts, yeah. yeah I'm actually right. wearing a pair just now. <laughs> yeah, they're really good. Same thing for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then he, Dave wants to know how you manage to fit in training runs and actual runs around family life because he feels guilty going for a long run on a Sunday. So I'm, I'm guessing he's got kids and a, and a wife or a partner. Um, so, yeah, what would your advice be on that? Well, I mean, I don't have, like, I'm not married and I don't have children, you know. So it's hard for me to actually speak to that. But if I could give some kind of advice, I would say allowing your partner to have time for themselves is really important for a healthy relationship. And I think if both partners have carved out some time for themselves, 
you know, um, then it depends what they want to choose to do within that time. Maybe that could be, who asked the question? Did you say his name is? Dave. Dave, Dave may find that if he, him and his wife both carve out some time for themselves, he can then fill that time with things that he wants to do. And I think that's important in a healthy relationship. Um, and also, I think it's um, great for the children because a lot of these ultra running families have children and, and then the children grow up in this like out like I don't, they probably spend more time with nature. They're probably outdoors more. They probably see their parents more happy. Hmm. So I think that would be my advice as a non-parent, but I mean, that's the best I can do. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's really great advice. I think if you're both having your time, then you won't feel guilty because um, it's a lot, it's kind of like scheduled then, isn't it? So I think that's a really it great Yeah, It can't be one-sided. You might, if you want to go out for a two-hour training run on a Sunday, I think at some point you need to give back and say, hey, why don't you go and take two hours and spend it with your friends and do what you want to do or, or whatever? Yeah. yeah, I think it needs that. You need that balance. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's a really great answer, especially as it doesn't apply to you. So that's really good. <laughs> Very thoughtful. Um, and then um, Tina Benton has a great question here. Um, she wants to know about preparing for her first 100 miler um, sure. mentally and physically because okay. she wants to do on next year. She says she's done a few 50s, but she says the jump from the 50 to the 100 just seems really huge. Um, yeah. So, yeah, what advice would you give to Tina for her first 100 miler? Okay, so I think it's important to take advice from people who have achieved what you want to achieve. So if you take any, if you read any literature or if you watch any podcast or YouTube or, or take advice from a person, just make sure that that person has achieved what you want to achieve because they'll be experienced and qualified to give you that advice. So first of all, just make sure your advice is coming from a good source. Um, and then the jump from 50, did you say 50 miles to 100 miles? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is the 100K distance. Uh, but me, I actually went from 50 to 100. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it depends on a lot of things. Like there's 100 miles on a track, which take uh, 10 hours for the faster guys. Um, and then there's 100 miles in the mountain that take 20 hours for the fastest guys. So it depends what the um, type of runner, run, 100 mile is. Mm -hmm. Then what I would say is make sure your training leading up to the 100 mile distance is specific to that terrain and that environment. Mm -hmm. So you're replicating what you're going to experience. Um, and then just uh, also just be prepared that it's the unknown. Yeah. You know, you're not going to figure it out. But when you're out there during in the 100 mile and you're at mile 70, that's when you're going to start to figure things out. So have confidence in yourself as well. What about if it really hurts? Like, do you, you must have experienced a lot of kind of pain management. And pains. Yeah. What's your pain management strategy? Yeah. Um, so adjust. I think that's the best advice. Uh, so on the Appalachian Trail, as I said, I was coming into Damascus. I realized I couldn't run anymore, but I could hike. So I hiked and two days later, the pain went away. With a hundred miler, you may have a pain that lasts maybe not two days, you know? <laughs> you may have something that lasts a bit less, yeah. but just adjust, yeah. you know, make an adjustment. I mean, adjust yeah. and move forward and maybe yeah. poles like if you're going to be hiking like maybe poles is a good idea if it's mountainous i believe yeah because uh, uh, the poles are good for going up and going down um and then if it's flat 
it's fun to get into the rhythm with poles, so it doesn't need to be mountainous, I guess. Uh, yeah, poles are just fun because you can break out the poles and say, okay, I'm going to hike for a bit. So that's another good way to do it as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, well, good luck, Tina, with your 100 miler. I'm sure that you'll do really well. But uh, also, I've just suddenly thought, um, it is a big jump, isn't it, 50 to 100 miles? Um, but yeah. 100K is only like 65 miles. So maybe like a person could enter a 100 miler thinking, right, well, uh, ideally I get to the end. But if I get to 80 miles and DNF, then that's still a great achievement. And then the following 100 miler, you could get to the 100 miler. So don't. I, I, I would say maybe don't be scared of a dnf just see see how you go like what do you think about that kind of attitude it's called trial and error and yeah. it's proven throughout history as uh humankind on the planet that that's probably one of the best approaches you know trial and error and then you make a you know an adjustment and you change what the error was and you improve and you don't have those problems again yeah that's great advice, yeah. actually. Yeah, so just suck it and see. <laughs> yeah, just see yeah. what happens. Don't be afraid to DNF. Yeah, awesome. Oh, thanks very much, Christian. That's great. And we just got a final question. Um, I think we've got time for one final question from uh, from Scott. Um, so he, he wants a bit of advice on speed, um, which sounds like just up your street. So he's, he's just done the London Marathon, virtual London Marathon, um, which yeah. he did in just under seven hours. Um, and because it was a bit hard to run it alone. Um, but he's been having his best, he's 51 years old now, and he's just been having his best 10K times for a few years. So he used to do like an hour and 15, hour and 20, but now he's back to an hour for his 10K times. Um, he says, I'm not overly worried about times, I love running, but I am intrigued as to why over the longer distances, I just don't seem to have any ability to get close to friends and club members who are in my age range. So for yeah. example, he just got under seven hours for the London Marathon yesterday. Um, so he's doing like an hour for 10K, so seven hours for the marathon does seem like like a bit of a discrepancy between those times. Yeah. So um, he, he sent, this is part of a longer email, um, but he yeah. said he, he does good sleep, good nutrition, he does a lot of gardening, he does some speed work as well. And so he's just wondering, um what it is i've suggested that maybe he would try like a personal coach like like mm -hmm. i suggested you um and there's various other people that he could obviously um choose from um but yeah what what kind of thing would you recommend do you get do you get this a lot from people that are okay at 10k and then just longer distances take them forever um do you have any yeah, so it's, it's quite it sounds like quite a unique uh, case actually um i think you, you need to be brutally honest with yourself and reassess everything, mm -hmm. you know, because there's a problem somewhere. Mm. And what it is, it's all about solving that problem. And sometimes you need to go back to what you think is okay and reassess it to maybe have a different take on it and say, actually, maybe what I thought was okay is the actual problem. So maybe take a whole, re, re, reassess everything once again, either alone or with a coach or with a loved one or something, maybe someone who's willing to listen. And, um, and then if you can't unearth what the problem is, um, then it's time to maybe try some new things that you haven't tried before. So I would take that approach. I would reassess everything. Um, I don't want to go into specifics exactly because there's so many things to do to get faster, but I'm trying to look at the bigger picture. And then once you've reassessed, hopefully he's found his problem. Um, and then if not, then start trying some new 
approaches. And hopefully with those new approaches, he'll get results. Yeah. But there's a saying by um, Einstein. I think it's you can't solve the problem with the same mind that made it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. if you keep doing the same thing and expecting difference, then that's the definition of insanity. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. personally think he would benefit from a bit of personal coaching because it sounds mm -hmm. like he's exhausted his resources and his knowledge base. But I think yeah. that he could really benefit from somebody else coming in and going, right, let's try this type of training. Do that. Yeah. See how that goes. And because coaches have like you'll have like the latest scientific knowledge. You have all your experience, experience of tons of other clients. So. Yeah, I just think a coach would be the way forward for Scott. Okay, good luck, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Oh, well, it's been great chatting to you today, Christian. Um, so if anybody wants to find out more about, about you and your podcast on the Appalachian Trail and your coaching, um, where should they direct themselves and where can they follow you? Yeah, go to my website. It has all my social media. It has my email. It has my telephone number. It has all my podcasts. I mean, it has. I've, I've created an, a website that contains everything. So if you go there, then you find all my social media. And it's my name, which is spelled with a K, um, Christian. And then the word ultra without any hyphens or dots. So it's just christianultra.com. Uh, I had to think for a second. I was going to say at gmail.com, but that's not my website. Yeah, so my website's christianultra.com. And there you can find out more about what we've talked about. You can actually listen to podcasts with David Horton, uh, Scott Maniac, um, you know, like these legends and stuff. And then you can find out about me as well and reach out to me. Awesome. I've put a link in the film description or the podcast show notes below as well. Um, so you should be able to really easily find out more about Christian. And do you do, you do a lot on social media? So should people follow you on like Instagram or something to keep up with what yeah, you're doing? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's uh, I, I got pulled up for this the other month and they're like, you don't even know your own Instagram. <laughs> and then, I, it used to be Christian Ultra, uh, you know, because that was easy because everything's Christian Ultra, Twitter, Facebook and website and stuff email but then i changed it to like I, I believe it's online running coach okay yeah or, or no no it's ultra running coach ultra sorry. running coach on instagram yeah, yeah on instagram okay. okay yeah you can follow me there and i mean yeah we haven't really spoke about it but i just cycled a thousand miles and finished about a week or so ago across uh, france and spain and every single day I, I wrote i sat down in my tent and i wrote an account of my experiences cool. So uh, there's a lot of, a lot on Instagram's my main one. Yeah. Okay. So follow you on Instagram. Um, and just quickly before you go, just remind us um, what you're going to be doing this coming year. Um, so either June or August, perhaps for that southbound AT. Yeah, I'll be going after the overall record southbound on the Appalachian Trail. My, I have three goals. Uh, my A goal is to break to be the only person no sorry not the only but the first person in history to break 40 days wow yeah yeah because the record's 41 days and seven hours wow and that's um quite close i believe in the percentage to 40 days so that's my a goal is to be the first person because someone will do it and i would like to be that the roger bannister of the appalachian trail wow. my second goal is to break the current record 41 days, seven hours, mm -hmm. belonging to my friend Carol. Mm -hmm. And then my third goal is to set a new southbound record. 
which is held by Carl Meltzer, wow. Speedgoat, apparently. And to do that, I have to run almost about two days slower than I did this year. Uh, so I, I believe that this is within reach for me. Yeah. You know, so that's what my next year's project is. Okay. So the record that Carol has is that a northbound one. That's a northbound record. So you're going yeah. To go for but a it's also the, it's and a also the overall. It's also the overall. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my yeah yeah. I mean, if you get the fastest time on the AT north or south, okay, that's the fastest time. Okay. But if you're the second, I mean, Carl Meltzer is the southbound record holder. So there is a north and a south as well. Yeah. Is it easier to do one way than the other then, or is it just completely like yeah, it's the same? Well, I mean, I guess I think the. I mean, Scott Jurek was on the trail last year when I was, and he went for a southbound record supported by Carl Meltzer. Mm. And he had he pulled off trail after six days, unfortunately, mm. with a quad injury. Um, him and Jenny, it was heartbreaking, really, because, yeah. you know, they went out there and it was very short-lived. Um, but the, the idea was he took on Carl's um, experience, Carl Meltzer's experience, that by going south, you cover the toughest um, states of Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine. And by going south, you do those first. Yeah. So the idea is when you're arriving on really tired legs, but that's kind of, you know, 1,800 miles behind you, and then you're in uh, Tennessee and Georgia, maybe the trail's a little bit easier, like polite to you. Not polite. Uh, <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would say strategically, the guys going south think that's the way to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Ah, well, this is amazing. Um, we'll all be following you now. We're all going to follow you on Instagram. Um, and we wish you the best of luck for breaking the records and all your three goals um, for 2023. Uh, it's been yeah. yeah, Claire, I just want to thank you. It's been so nice. We met in person a couple of years ago at Druids 2017. Oh, did we? I, was, oh, I love that I was there that year. You oh, interviewed me. Oh, in did there. I? Oh, sorry. <laughs> interview so many people I completely <laughs> I know I mean to, yeah yeah but it was just nice to catch up with you again I really appreciate your time and and, and all the listeners out there thanks for watching as well oh thank you you've been a really great guest Christian it's been absolutely a pleasure to chat to you um and we mm -hmm. wish you all the best um on the AT in 2023 thank you. cool thank you everybody and I'll see you soon bye